Oh, hello. Matthew from Fighting Over the VCR. And I'm about ready to queue up the second episode that we recorded earlier this year. This was recorded back in March, so if you're wondering why the hell are you talking about stuff that happened months ago, well, that's because we recorded it back in March. Took a little break, and uh, we wanted to release this next episode for you, so sit back and enjoy. I'll hit play, and there we go. Thank you. Fighting over the VCR. My name is Nancy. And my name is Matthew. Still, after all these months. <laughs> still Matthew. Yep. We are brother and sister, and we talk about movies that some of us are interested in watching, some of us are not interested in watching. <laughs> we fight over the VCR, or the DVD player, or the streaming service, or whatever, you know. I don't know if Matt has seen the movie that I wanted him to watch or not. First time I'd ever seen it. Oh, okay. So this is the first time I'd ever seen your movie. Um, and if we were kids living at home, we probably would have fought over which movie we were going to watch. Um, later in the show, I'm going to be talking about um, Before Sunrise. But Matt is going to get us started on a conversation, not about Tron, but the sequel to Tron, Tron Legacy. Yes. And why the hell am I pick talking about Tron Legacy, a movie that came out in 2010 that I didn't really grow up watching, quote-unquote, when a movie called Tron came out in 1982, I could have gotten, you know, grown up watching and didn't. Well, that's because I always felt that the original Tron was boring as shit. Oh. I, it... It just didn't do anything for me. Um, it was very, you know, it came, It was a Disney movie that, you know, at the time was kind of groundbreaking. And Disney went through this period in, like, the 70s and eight, in the early 80s, kind of before they, like, did Little Mermaid, I think, where they did a lot of kind of dark, sci-fi, bizarre kind of, um, live action movies and this and the original Tron kind of mesh those together by using very very early computer graphics and a lot of blue screen technology and camera tricks to make this kind of sci-fi movie where the main character Flynn played by Jeff Bridges is sucked into a computer world that is where he is then supposed to kind of play these games within the computer world and to, to try and escape. And he is helped by a program, which is actually a person named Tron. And that is kind of the, the basis of that movie. But that movie, even, even as groundbreaking as it might have kind of been at the time, for me... I just got... I wasn't really impressed by the look of it. There's not a lot of, like, 
music to kind of carry it, like carry it on or anything like that. And I just could never get into it. And we didn't have like the Disney Channel, so it, it wasn't like it was easily accessible. And I don't remember it being on a lot on TV, but it wasn't something I really kind of gravitated towards. So I just wasn't really into it. I've never seen and, it. And, and I've never seen I the had, first one. And I had seen, and so I had like kind of seen it, parts of it, but I just was never into it. Then in 2010, I had heard that they were making like kind of a remake of it, but it was supposed to be a kind of a sequel-y kind of remake. And I was kind of interested, and I saw the trailer, and I was like, this looks really cool. Like, the look of it. I really like the style. I was like, okay, that's good. And I was like, Jeff Bridges is, is in it again. Everyone loves Jeff Bridges. Who doesn't? And then I found out that Doft Punk was doing the soundtrack. Music's and at great. That, and at that point, I was like, okay. Now, I am not like the biggest Daft Punk fan. I'm not sitting here thinking like they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. But I really I admire them. I like I like, you know, probably I could make a playlist of maybe like 10 to 15 songs that I like that are not from the soundtrack and just be like, "Hey, yeah, this is my essentials of Daft Punk." and be totally happy. And I respect them for how they're seen in their musical genre and everything. So I'm not, like, the hugest fan, but then I saw this movie, and my wife and I saw this movie in the theater. We saw it for free because the movie, there was, and we had to see it in 3D. Because basically, like, there was some sort of mix-up with tickets or seating or loud, obnoxious people in the theater or some sort of nonsense. We got to see it for free, and we had to see it, but we had to see it in 3D at a different showing. And 3D for me, I'm not, like, huge on 3D. Yeah, me neither. And I wasn't sitting there going, oh, I have to see this in 3D. But I was super impressed when I saw this movie. I was like, this is this was fun. I enjoyed it, you know? It's a very simple movie where... Um, and, and I say it's not really a sequel because other than the fact that it's got a couple like some similar characters and it's called Tron and he goes into a world and there's disc and there's like the whole disc game and the motorcycles and stuff. It's almost like a reboot of mm. the first movie. And, and in that case, it's much better, like hands down, much better. And Jeff Bridges, uh, reprises his role as Flynn and his son, he gets the beginning of the movie. You find out he disappears. No one knows where he is. And his son then, without going into huge detail, gets sucked into this Tron world, this, like, computerized world, and discovers that his dad has been trapped there for, like, 20 years. And it, the whole movie is about how he can find his dad and the two of them could leave this, com this computer world. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, you know, you've got... I really like the look of it. It's got, like, everything is black, but with, like, these neon kind of lights. And there's, like, an interesting style to some of the characters. Like, the sirens, 
that are wearing all white, the mm-hmm. women in all white, um, have like this specific look that's kind of cool. Cora, played by Olivia Wilde, who ends up being kind of his his like friend and help and love interest kind of slash helper, has like a really interesting look. And then one of the best characters in this movie, played Michael by Sheen? Michael Sheen, Michael Sheen, who is Zeus. Yeah. <laughs> he is just badass in this movie. Um, and I was just, I just, I walked out of it. I was like, wow, I was pleasantly surprised. Considering I had like medium to low expectations already, I was really surprised. So then, you know, I go and see this movie. And it comes on TV, and every time it's on TV, I have to stop and watch this movie. And I'm like, holy shit, why do I keep watching this movie? And I just realized, like, I must really like this movie. Because, <laughs> and there's times where it's just the music. I mean, the, the soundtrack to this has, like, a really good tone. It's got, there's certain parts of it where the Doff Punk, like, style just totally seeps through. But then there's, like, an orchestral kind of aspect to it that, I mean, I just, it carries the movie. I just really like that. And I just, the the story's very simple. It's not, you know, it's got kind of a matrixy feel in a sense, story-wise, where you find out later that some of the programs in the, compu- in the computer world figure out, like, by using Flynn, they can escape the computer world and take over the real world, mm-hmm. which is a totally bizarre concept and very sci-fi and childlike, but fun. It's got that whole kind of... AI don't, you know, kind of aspect to it. But anyway, um, and I don't know. I just, is it the greatest movie ever? No. No. But it was, but I really just always, I could put it on. And like, like when I decided, I said I wanted to talk about this movie, it really wasn't because it was like really scheduled. I just felt like watching it. And I was like, hey, let's watch this. This is the movie we're going to do because I felt like watching it. Yeah. And, um, so anyway, that is why I like Tron Legacy. All right. Um, and I, you know, it's funny is after the movie came out, they put out a cartoon that it was only on like MTV or Cartoon Network or something like that and had like very, I hated the animation, mm. but Neil Patrick Harris was a character on it, I believe. Mm. And I was, I got through maybe one and a half episodes and I just was like, I don't care. But they're remake, they're making a third one now that who knows when it's going to come out, but Jared Leto is going to be in it. Hmm. So who knows? Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's one of those movies where it probably has a very niche kind of like cult following. Along with the original, and and I don't know what the like, what the feelings are between people who like really like the original and what they feel like about this movie, but for me, I really mm-hmm. enjoy this movie. So you can now tell me everything you hated about this movie. I don't hate the movie. I I think I think the lead guy Garrett Headland is that his name? Mm-hmm. I think he's really blah. Like I don't think he's a really he's, big draw. Like he's very boring. <laughs> Um, he was not, he's not, he doesn't have like a very compelling kind of 
stage presence. Mm-mm. And and it's not that like he's bad looking. It's not that his acting is terrible. He's just got no charisma. It could have been, that character could have been any it could any yeah. actor could have done that. And, and for yeah. me, unfortunately, he's in almost every scene in the movie, so he kind of oh, yeah. drags it down a bit. But people around him, I thought, were better. Like Michael Sheen, even though Michael Sh- yes. Michael Sheen only has about six minutes of screen time. Olivia Wilde is great in it. Um, Jeff yes. Bridges in his two roles is good. Um, yes, he also plays. He also plays the the villain character Clue, mm-hmm. and there's kind of an interesting story how that all happens. I mean, maybe it's not that interesting, but there was a lot of. Um, this was one of the first movies to really utilize the de aging mm-hmm. that they use for digital in digital, where they like. They they have like a double and use Jeff Bridges and make him look like he did supposedly in the eighties and there's some parts of it where you're like, This looks really bad. Didn't then there's other parts where you're like, This looks pretty good. Isn't that the Tony Stark um technology called barf? <laughs> isn't that isn't that the barf technology that uh where you This pre- was developed before barf. <laughs> Um, this was pre-barf. <laughs> this is a Marvel kind of, movie was, reference, it, everybody. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't really barf. It was almost like you had like something come up, but it went right back down. Yeah. <laughs> Just for everybody's, everybody who's keeping track, this is a Marvel uh, Civil War, Captain America Civil War reference. Tony Stark. They make him look like a very young Robert Downey Jr. for a scene. Anyways, called barf. Well, Anyways. Well, in this de-aging, they've done this de-aging in a number of movies, and um, sometimes it is done well, and sometimes it is clearly, you know, you know that you're, you're there trying to use computer graphics to Well, I, I, we're, to we're, in a, and, we're in a place in time now where the technology to do that is only going to get better. I mean, right, it's, it's right. kind of like with anything computer-generated. I mean, the original stuff like early nineties doesn't look nearly as good as stuff that comes out now. I mean, it's just the technology improves. So, um, no, I, um, I didn't really know anything about Tron. I've never seen the first one. Um, I kind of always understood that it looks like they're all in a computer, like on a computer chip, you know, like kind of like if you were Mm -hmm. to zoom in on what the graphics of a computer chip look like and that it was like an alternate reality that they were sucked into or, voluntarily jumped into or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the movie's fine. It's not one I put on again, mostly because the lead is just too blah for me. Um, but I mean, you know, the story of a son. Were you, were you bored? Um, I've been more bored with other movies, but this is the kind of movie that is usually something I'd be interested in. I mean, you know, I, I like kind of science. Um, I'm not as into space movies as I am into a movie like like a movie like this where you know like the graphics are really there's like things that remind me of like Blade Runner watching this movie or yeah a little bit or another movie that came out about three years ago go called Ready Player One there's things that remind me of this because they're they're doing virtual reality stuff in that movie and you're clearly on like a different realm or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I mean, I, I thought it was fine. I'm glad I finally got to watch it. Again, I just feel that the lead is just 
very weak and uninteresting. But I like I like the conflict in the story about how, you know, Jeff Bridges' character, the human character, um, Kevin, is that his name? Kevin Flynn? Flynn, yes. Yeah. How he's kind of in prison, and there's, you know, no way for him to really escape um, until his son comes to try and find him. Um, but also how, and we've seen this in a lot of other movies, where um, somebody's creation kind of runs away and becomes very evil, you know, trying to create a perfect world. I mean, there's this point towards the end where the Clue character is talking about how eradicating all the imperfections and this and that, and it felt very, like... Hitler to me, <laughs> you know, just this idea of oh, we're gonna very, we're gonna it had this yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna purge the whole the whole system of any flaws and it's like ooh okay um, yeah but then but then like the creator himself has to be the one that can maybe take it down himself and it's you know it's it like you were saying it's not an overly complicated story but you know the thing that struck me the most was the music I thought the music. And yep. the look and feel were very, very interesting. It's like if you're going to do a movie where you're essentially in, like, this alternate computer-generated reality, this is kind of what you'd expect it to be. Um, mm-hmm. It's very dark. Like, there's no sunlight in here. So, like, everything is very dark and black. And you have, like, the lit-up areas where, um, you know, they're driving their their uh, virtual motorcycles or they're flying their virtual jets or whatever. Um, yeah. But, I mean, the intensity of, like, when um, Sam first gets there and, like, he's kind of just, like, thrown yeah. into this game. I mean, it did really... It. I mean, in some ways, it almost felt kind of Hunger Games to me, too. Just this kind of, like, you're going to die. But then I was thinking... They're saying there's users and then there's programs and it's like, okay, users must be humans that somehow got into the world and programs were things that maybe Clue was creating to just kind of replicate and go over and over again. But um, no, I mean, it it definitely felt like there were very high stakes in the movie. I mean, in terms of, you know, like these programs just getting like instantly crushed and like, you know, falling to like pixels, you know, like Mm -hmm. falling down into pieces and... You know, like you how did. they how they, how how they would die mm-hmm. or or they'd kind of shatter mm-hmm. like that effect that was, was weird like really cool yeah yeah it was really yeah. but it but it definitely made you worried like oh you don't want someone to get crushed and then them you know to shatter in a million yeah. pieces but yeah. I'm, I'm I'm glad I watched it I'm fine with watching it I mean it was a little long <laughs> you know I mean that's gonna com- be my kind of common comment for stuff like this especially because a lot of it kind of was. A chase scene, you know, um, yes, trying to so. f- find find the dad, get help the dad escape if they're able to. You know, I mean, it wasn't overly complicated. There were a couple scenes though, Matt, and tell me if you think of this too. Towards the end, when um, the father and the son are um, back on that main, I'm going to call it a ship. I don't know if it was a ship, but they're on that main structure. And they're kind of in the distance, and the way that Jeff Bridges kind of had his robe flying around, it felt very Obi-Wan to me. Like, just kind of seeing him running around in the distance, um, the way that he was, like, on the Death Star in A New Hope. They're just, like, little <laughs> shots that I felt like a little homage. Like, this 
feels especially because he's like they're sneaking around like oh this is yeah. kind of like yeah. Obi Wan. Well, um, the other thing that's fun about Jeff Bridges in this movie is he kind of he almost has kind of a dude aspect, you know, like a big Lebowski dude aspect that in some of it, which seems kind of cheesy, but they kind of have him at his like his regular character kind of being like that and. Yeah. You know, I don't know why he wears a beard. Like, I don't get why he chooses to have well, a beard. Well, they're trying to show that he's older, I know. and it makes it, it, it makes it more obvious that he's not Clue. I That's know. That's how you differentiate I know. Them, so. I'm just saying, like, he just looks so much older when he has a beard. Like, decades oh, older. And it's like, if he was just, like, <laughs> be clean-shaven, he'd look so much younger. But we've seen him in a beard for so many years now, it's almost like, how do you even picture him yeah. without a beard? So you got to go back to movies from the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. <sighs> you were talking about length of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And this movie is two hours and five minutes. The original was an hour and 36 minutes. But I tell you, the <laughs> original seems so much longer <laughs> because it's just. Was it just because like the graphics were kind of more rudimentary, or what, was it just? There's like the also story not like slow? the sound. You don't have and you and you don't have the soundtrack to like really kind of carry it like you do in this movie. Was there no soundtrack? Because I've seen almost. movies with like, no soundtrack, like, and that's very. It weird. has almost no soundtrack, mm. and and it's very just kind of blah. Mm. Like the little, it's just. Well, I see that the original Tron is on Disney, so I may watch it at some point. Because I should have done, listeners, I should have been like Matt and done a bunch of extra credit and watched the original Tron so I would like have a better, more rounded discussion. But I kind of like being able to talk about this with having no context of the original movie. I, I would highly recommend that everyone who watches it, who's never seen either of them, just watch the, just watch legacy and just assume there's no con- you don't need any context because with that you really do, I mean my wife had never Sherry had never seen it she had never seen the original and we went and got, saw this and she was just like am I gonna like is there stuff I'm gonna miss because I never saw this and I was like I don't know I've never seen it so we watched walked out of it and I was like you missed nothing mm. <laughs> you missed I mean other than knowing at one you know he at one point was trapped in this world and came and then came out, and then they they establish know. all of that though. I mean, I feel like yeah, there wasn't. They I mean, talk about that at the beginning. I didn't feel like I had to run to IMDb and read a bunch to fill in. Like, oh, what did I not understand? The only thing that I think maybe doesn't get explained very well in Legacy would be um, like Bruce Brock Bruce Boxleiter's role, who it sounds like he was the yes. friend that was. Tron, like Alan, I think is his name. He, he, he's in, when they are in the real world, he plays Alan, who is his friend and, and like, co like their, their partners. Mm-hmm. And, and then in the original Tron, he also plays the character of Tron. Yeah. So maybe. And then, and, yeah. Exploring his character more, like, understanding who he is and his importance you would get that from watching the first movie that's yes. a little sheet, a little vague in this movie. Yeah. yeah. But, so. Yeah. 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 I mean, like I said, you know, <laughs> movies that are about, like, you know, sci fi movies in this kind of realm are, are my style. You know, I'm, I'm happy to watch a movie like this. Yeah. I mean, it, along the lines of something like. 
like The Matrix. Mm-hmm. You know, where they made the computer world look like the real world, and then in The Matrix there was also the real world that had this whole dystopian yeah. look. This movie has, when you go into the computer world, they're trying to make it look like you're in a computer, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of thing. And it's got, like, this cleanliness to it and everything. But then you think of other movies that have had... I mean, there's so many different ways of doing it. I just think that the way that they execute it in this movie um, was very creative and really interesting. And I like the style and the look of it, you know, so... Anyway, um, we're going to move on to talking about Nancy's movie, which... Came out in 1995, mm-hmm. and it's called Before Sunrise, and that's really all I'm going to say. Okay. At this point, so I'll tell you guys why I wanted to watch this movie. There's a there's a show called Normal People. It's about these young Irish lovers that are having a lot of you know like push and pull. You know, can they be together or not? And it felt like the only logical movie to watch after watching this show was to watch this movie because there's a lot of kind of getting that that show involves a lot of kind of like deep intimate talks and guess what that's what this entire movie is this entire movie is two people hanging out for a day talking and i love every single second of it i think this movie is so great I've probably only seen it like three times, maybe four times. Don't know why I haven't watched it more, to be honest with you. But it's got Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy, and they're both on a train heading to Vienna. And he was going to get off the train to catch an airplane, and she was going to head to Paris. But he's able to convince her, why don't you hang out in Vienna with me for a day? Because they strike up a great conversation on the train for like an hour or something before the they get to the train station and they just, you know, have a wonderful day together getting to know each other and they fall for each other. But, you know, they don't do certain simple logical things like exchange phone numbers or email addresses. And, um, you know, there's all this built in conflict because of that. And it's excellent. It's so great. So much romance. I love it. It's not a rom-com. It is just straight up romance, which I was very much in the mood for. So, I would agree that it is not a rom-com. Mm-mm. Um, this movie was directed by Richard Linkletter, yeah. who we've who also did Days to Confuse, which yeah. I love. Um, <clears throat> but he also did a movie before Days and Confused, and before this movie that I had seen called Slacker where he basically just follows people throughout a day. Mm. And, like, you would, like, it it starts with the camera following a a guy who just comes into town and gets a taxi cab ride who happens to be Richard Linkletter. And that guy gets out of the cab and then, like, goes into a store or something like that. And then it starts following someone from the store. And it's basically, like from the morning until night just following these people like as the camera picks them up and following their story and then it goes on to the next person not a lot of music in it very kind of just people having conversations like you're Mm -hmm. describing 
this movie is very similar to that. Yeah. Where, but there's more of a story. You have actual, yeah. like, characters, yeah. and you're following them along. And, um, the dialogue they have is good. It's kind of, you can almost tell, like, some of it might have almost been ad-libbed, because, like, as they're filming it, it's like, things might have happened, and it's like, oh, let's just go with that, <laughs> kind of thing. Well, this this movie actually wasn't just, you know, here Richard Linklater has the script, here you guys, you're going to read every single line I've written and that's it. It actually became this genuine collaboration between the director and the actors. Like, they actually came up with a lot of the lines and even the scenes. I was watching a documentary about this earlier, and it sounds like just in terms of the creative process that this was something just so totally unique for all three of these people. And it wasn't just, like, one guy has an idea of what both characters would say. He went to the actors and said, what do you think this scene would look like? And they all kind of had to agree on how it would go. Yeah. Was It was really... And, and to me, I think that's also just so interesting. You know, just because you're really looking for... It's what, very what would creative. Feel, it's very creative, but yeah. also it creates an even more, like, authentic experience because you're able to kind of bounce off of each other this idea of, like, if people were to spend, have basically just one day together, they meet in, by complete chance, um, but they definitely want to hang out. Like, they don't want to just say, mm-hmm. you know, goodbye on the train and head their separate ways. Um, how could that look? And, you know, I, I've never been to Vienna, but I've been to Spain. And, in fact, when you guys went to Europe, were you awake on your train ride? Did you get to see the countryside? <clears throat> We had um, three train rides. We mm-hmm. did the England to Par- the, the London to Paris, which was during the day. So we and got that's to see underground, all that. right? Some of it, mm. yeah. Um, we did the overnight from Paris to Florence. Mm-hmm. So we were, was, if we could sleep, yeah. we were asleep. It was dark. That was kind of hard, and it was dark. But then we did Florence to Rome during the day. So there's lots of countryside. Okay, yeah. so you, you've nice. had that experience. We When we went, um, we took the train from Sevilla to Madrid, and that's a good two-hour train ride. So watching this, um, this is the bullet train, so I think it was maybe a little faster than maybe the kind of train that the two of them were on. But either way, um, it, it felt very familiar to me, just kind of remembering um, the trip to Spain with mom and dad and being on that. Um, train ride, just being able to see the countryside and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, they end up in Vienna, which looks to, looks to me as the viewer of this movie like a great walking city. You know, a city where you can really kind of, you know, walk around and see lots of great things and, you know, spend a day doing a lot of really fun, interesting things with very little money and just, you know, cigarettes and coffee and some conversation, you know, just... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I like that. Um, I like that. You know, in the context of, are you ever going to see this person again? They felt a lot of freedom to be very open. You know, you're not worrying about. Well, maybe that's more of a second date kind of conversation, or ooh, I wouldn't want to bring that right. up until we've been dating for like a month or something. Like, you gotta like. Well, l- and it wasn't really. 
it wasn't really established like, hey, let's go hang out during the day. This is going to be a date. They were just people who met on a yeah, train. They were just, I mean, they were clearly attracted to each other, but it wasn't, there was no pretense to what it was going to be. It was just, right. I need to catch a plane tomorrow. I have a day to kill. If you're able to move your, tr- your return trip to Paris till tomorrow, let's hang out. And yeah. there was just something really wonderful watching the kind of deep conversations that people in the middle of the 90s too. So that's the other thing that's fun about this movie is just kind of knowing the kind of like frozen in time quality it has by being like a 90s movie because there's so many things that would have been different if it were filmed today. First off, they probably would have had iPhones. There'd be no big deal to put your phone number in a... They'd be texting each other. Like there'd be no concern about... It would be weird if you live in Paris and I'm on the East Coast in, New York, in the United States. It's like, so what? I mean, our world is so much more global now than it was in 1995. So, Well, and what are, and what are the odds that they would even have a conversation with each other on the train? Because they could be texting someone someone they know sure. on the phone the whole time. Sure. And, and, you know. Well, it's that same kind of conversation of, like, would the Breakfast Club make any sense if it was to be filmed today? It's like you get these five kids in detention all playing on their iPhones. Like, they'd never feel yeah. forced to talk to each other. But yeah. but I just I just feel like this movie is very, very smart. I appreciate the kind of topics that they talk about. It feels very... Um, I don't want to say, like, they're trying to impress each other, but, you know, they're both smart. You know, I mean, they have really intellectual conversations and about all, all sorts of different topics, you know, like talking about death, talking about um, how she feels like she's like an old soul. And he's like, well, I feel like I'm a 13-year-old all the time. And she's like, oh, that's really yeah. weird. Then, like, we're basically Harold and Maude making out in the Ferris wheel. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I just feel very, you know, I, I was smiling ear to ear watching the movie the whole time today. And it just, you know makes me happy and again i'm a diehard romantic like i said i'm kind of coming off of watching this incredibly romantic tv show that's on hulu right now um and i kind of needed something to fit that you know kind of go along with this niche i actually rewatched a movie last weekend um a mike nichols movie that movie closer which isn't nearly as sweet as this movie <laughs> in any no. way. It's a harder movie to watch, no. but it is also this kind of intense conversation, you know, lots of, you know, talking about and falling in love, but hurting people and, you know, it's it's a different tone. But I've just kind of been stuck in this uh, this mindset for a while. I mean, here we went from, I did all this Marvel movie madness in March and then to segue to something completely different in April and kind of still riding that wave so but but the other fun thing about this movie is it unexpectedly became a trilogy like this became the first of three movies which they were joking about this in the documentary how it is the lowest grossing trilogy in all of history um because i mean what are they talking about in fact ethan hawk even said that he said to richard linklater you got financing to make before sunrise like how is this even possible because it's just two people walking around talking about life like how is this Mm -hmm. possible but I'm glad it was because I just feel like it's a very personal deep movie and it did lead to to two sequels which I both I think both of those are very good Um, and you will be watching at least one of them at some point FYI so um I would not say I disliked this movie. Okay. 
Um, but I was kind of bored. It's okay. And I would say that you have to really be okay with being the third wheel. So, yeah. In a conversation. Because that's really how you are. You're basically following these people at kind of like the third wheel. Yeah. Um, And... I knew before, you know, it's not like I saw this in 1995 and then all of a sudden, oh my god, there's a, I'm amazed there's a sequel to it. Um, I knew that there were sequels mm-hmm. to this. So when it was over and the way the movie, you know, ends, I thought to myself, this entire movie just feels like the first act of a three-act play. Okay. Because... Again, there's, you know, the first act of a play typically is a lot of setup. Yeah. You know, and establishing characters and everything like that. And that is kind of how you feel this entire movie. And then at the, then there's the ending where, you know, they go their separate ways and they talk about, you know, trying to make, you know, trying to see each other again. Mm. And then the movie ends. So you're kind of like on your seat, like, oh, now something's going to happen. (laughs) And then the movie ends. So then knowing that there's a, th- a second one and then eventually a third one, mm-hmm. you got to sit there and like, oh, my God, is the second one going to be like they finally like got together or what? And I and so I did not do my homework and watch all three. of Don't them. worry. I did not do any extra credit because I knew you were eventually going to say, oh, we have to watch the second one. Correct. So I don't know a thing about those two other than it's the two of them it's- probably walking through some some city and having a conversation for a, a an extended period of time, and I will feel like the third wheel. Again. It is the same creative um, team for all three movies. Yeah, and it's they. But what I well find together. interesting is each movie came out about ten years apart, mm-hmm. and and I believe they each take place ten years apart. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like they continued where they left off. They're continuing with. Where they're just, we're just picking up their lives, you know, yeah. 10 years later. And, yeah. Which I find very interesting from a writing standpoint. And, um, like I had said, you know, Linklater did this movie called Slacker where he just basically followed conversations with all these random people. He did another movie that I think that I'm pretty sure you like called Boyhood. Yeah, we saw it. Which has, yeah, which has a very similar kind of thing where instead of, filming 10 years apart he like every year shot scenes with the same actors over like a 10 year period including about, Ethan Hawke you know, yeah and Ethan Hawke is in it and um and and again it's it's creative filmmaking yep. and it's not super high budget it's Mm-mm. you know the most expensive thing is probably getting into some of the places where they film and a majority of it again is like is pretty much just dialogue and watching yeah. them kind of live live their lives and it's an interesting style mm-hmm. that Linkletter has on some of his films and and I can really appreciate that but in regards to this film I just was not as interested I mean <laughs> I it's mean, not your style some my my favorite scene in this movie is probably the scene near the end of their day when they're in the bar when they're doing the phone call 
Yes, when they're yeah. doing the phone call. Yeah. Like, what would you say to your friend yeah. if you had, you know, on the phone? That whole scene is probably my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Um, that and the whole poetry scene where yeah. they go to the home when the homeless guy writes 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 them the poem the poem, and Ethan Hawke, who ironically, which is why I find this funny, has has is a poet as well and has I think released poetry books. He basically is like, you know, that guy just has that all like written down, and the word that you said, he just kind of filled that in, right? Yeah, yeah. He was <laughs> a bit of a like, he was a bit of a skeptic between that and the palm reader. So, anyway, um, those are my favorite scenes. I mean, who was your favorite actor in this? Oh, I don't know. I got two to pick from. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, was it, I mean, I'm interested in watching the other ones. Good. Just so I can, now that I've, now that they, the, the door is open. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, well, is this something I could like sit there and be like, man, that was a great movie. I really want to watch that again. No, no, I can just mark it off the list. It's all right. So. I mean, I think, I, I think they, they, they talk about big things though. I mean, you know, they talk like, like her, her family, you know, she comes from what you would say is a more stable, loving home than he does. You know, he's able to kind of talk about his experience of having parents that pretty much hated each other. And at one point, his dad saying, I was upset to hear that your mom was pregnant with you. And, you know, they finally get divorced. So, I mean, you know, I feel like with some of these other movies we've seen where kind of just a lot of, like, life is discussed. Like, I mean, I feel in some ways, like, Stand By Me kind of has this quality when they're kind of out you know, just having these deep conversations while they're on their journey. Um, yeah. This this movie has a lot of that, but in a different context because they're in their early 20s and it's a man and a woman, so there's kind of different... There's a different level of conversation that you're going to have and more intimate than necessarily with your buddies yeah. that you're going to oh, try yeah. and see a dead yeah. body with. Um I don't know. I mean, I like conversation. I like I like deep. Th- I don't necessarily need a lot of, you know, special effects. I don't necessarily need a lot of, you know, tricks or whatever, you know. So I feel like just kind of having, you know, getting to take a little tour of Vienna. Like I bet Vienna tourism went nuts after this movie came out. I'm I'm sure. I mean, it's it it, it definitely looked interesting to you know, like an interesting place to visit. Yeah. Although I find lots of places in Europe oh, yeah. are probably very interesting to visit just because yeah. it's like going in a time capsule. Absolutely. You know, going, it's like, it's literally like you, you, you look at the United States and then you look at, you go to places in Europe and you're like, wow, the United States is like a, like a, a really bratty teenager compared <laughs> to like how old things are in, 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 in Europe. Yeah. Things are like literally like thousands <laughs> of years old there, um, yeah. But no, I, I think I think you may enjoy the other two movies. I mean, I have to rewatch the second one, but I'm remembering liking the second one even more than the first one. Um, I think that the thing. I mean, I oh, having not seen mm-hmm. them. Okay, I'm 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 imagining that. The second one would be ten years later, and either they met up and it didn't work out, 
they met up and it did work out and they've been together 10 years or they never met up and they just happened to run into each other 10 years later. Mm. And I think with that situ- with with whatever scenario you have there you have a little more meat to talk about other than just life and what their past was like. You there's like a relationship there that has now been established that you can ha- see these conversations had about or these conversations that they have. So there's so at that point, even if it's just them talking, you almost have kind of the second act of the mm-hmm. of the play going where the where the action is happening. And then however that ends, you know, leads into this third act of where you get to a conclusion kind of thing. We may be watching and, this uh, sooner than later. <laughs> just to, just to, <laughs> just to round out this uh, conversation. Uh, that may that maybe yeah. won't be the next movie, but maybe very soon. Just so yeah, so. you don't have to get too far away from it. No, I I, I think no. it's. I mean, it's you know, the human condition. You know, it's it's interesting, and I mean, I do like how she clearly was more of like. A believer in things like she wasn't mm-hmm. you know she was more and he was a skeptic and he yeah. was a big skeptic like even in this like very romantic moment you know she's like sure read my palm that's fine here's 50 shillings no big deal and he's just like you know that's a bunch of bullshit right and she you know yeah. even is like you know i kind of didn't like her attitude being all like annoyed by that that's kind of shitty of you wow is this our first yeah. fight you know and then like the thing with the poem <laughs> you know how he's like yeah, you know, he's got that already written down and he just shoves in whatever words you give him. And it, it kind of makes you see, like, there's these, there's people who, I mean, I'm sure someone who wants to view her view her worldview in a negative way would just say, oh, she's just totally gullible. Or she's got blinders yeah. on or she's got rose-colored glasses yeah. on or whatever. She's yeah. naive. Where he's more just pragmatic and more realistic. But at the same time, it's like... Who's it hurting if she believes in this stuff or wants to get swept up yeah, in it or yeah. whatever? I just yeah, I. Uh, I mean, she did. She did. She did get off the train. I mean, she, you know, to hang out with this guy, you know, randomly, you know, li- at least let her have some fun, right? Yeah, he's, he's kind of technically stuck there. She got out off off by choice. Yeah, she could have just stayed on the train yeah. and went back home. Yeah. You know, so if she's going to, if you're going to go all out and do that, you know, make the day, you know, go for it, you know, have some, have some fun. Well, I mean, I feel like there's two big things you learn from this movie. First off, if you see a random stranger that you want to hang out with, take the leap. Why not ask? No big deal, right? What's the worst thing they're going to say? Sorry, buddy. Not interested. I'm going to head home. So that Mm -hmm. actually happened. But the second thing, the second lesson Get some phone numbers, people. Get an email address. Get a Facebook something. Like, get something so you don't have these, this just... This was 1995. I know. I'm just saying. They did have telephones. They and did. And addresses. They, they could have written exactly. each other. They could have written each other. I don't care if you think it's all sad. You know, it's like, you figure it out. Like, but then again, I'm a yeah. planner. So, the idea <laughs> of, I mean, when she got, at that one point in the, when they were together, when she's starting to get depressed, like... Oh, like, what would we even do? How would we, you know, like, probably they'd been together for, like, 12, 14 hours at this point and maybe had, like, five or six hours left. And when they kind of try to make the grown-up decision, like, no, no, it'd be depressing if it fizzles out and we don't keep talking. 
But then they're kind of getting a little sad about it. Like, if that were me, I would have a hard time not thinking about that the whole rest of the night. Like, I would have a really hard time switching gears and not being obsessive about, but we're saying goodbye in six hours. Wait, no, we're saying goodbye in five hours and 30 minutes. Like, you know, it'd be that whole, like, thinking past when this is over, quote, unquote. That's, inter- that's interesting. I'm a I planner. Think, I like to... I'm, I'm trying to think of how I would react in that situation. I'd probably, like... He said he if he had the choice to never see her again or marry her, he would marry her. That's how into it he was. Well, I'm not even talking about that part of it. I'm trying to think of, like, you know... By like hour, like say it's a it's a twelve hour period that you're gonna be together okay. because you know, yeah. you know. At what point are you like? Do you sit there and say, "Well, I've already invested this much time in it, so I might as well go through it to the end," or do you say, "You know what? I've invested this much time in it. You know, now where am I? Is it worth? Should I just?" I have six hours left. Is this how I want to spend the rest of my six hours? (laughs) (laughs) Really? There's like things to weigh there, you know, and, and should I go get my, should I go get my big bag of clothes from the locker and just head over to the airport? Is that what I should do? Yeah. But obviously, you know, it, it all depends on the person and, 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 you know, I don't think I'd be anxious about, I mean, you'd, if let's assume that the other person you were into, right? Let's make this assumption. Um, you're assuming that the whole time you'd start freaking out, like, oh my God, I only have six more hours with you. What can we do in these six hours? That's that's the level you would take, right? I, I, maybe not to that extreme, but I mean, I'd probably have some conscious level. I, I'd be aware of it. And I wouldn't be able to be completely immersed in the moment because I'd have this thing hanging over us, like... There's a, t- I just, there's a I just ticking if, clock in the background somewhere. I, I guess I guess what I'm trying to think of is, like, would I immerse myself in the romance aspect of it to where I'm just going to play it out and see what happens at the end? Or after, like, six hours, am I going to, at that point, know or be like, what happens when this night is over? And just try and nip it in the bud there. Well, that's what they did. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's what they kind of did. I mean, so you would follow the plot of the movie and just say, well, we're going to have this grown-up conversation. Long distance doesn't work. We're not going to, like, exchange numbers and call each other every now and then because that's never going to happen. So this is it. Sounds like that would be your your choice. I think, but, no, but what I'm saying, but I don't think that that would be my choice, though. I think I'd want to have that conversation early enough, but then... I'm, I think in the same realm of, of how you are, I'd be like, well, do we, you know, why don't we just exchange numbers now? <laughs> you know, that way, if for some reason something happens to us between now and the end of this night, like once you've committed, like once you've made that decision, like, hey, we're, yeah, long distance might not work, but, you know, can we still be friends, you know? And then, and yeah, then you can make that choice after. Then you... Well, yeah. or just not have a connection. You can exchange the information, and then when then when the day is over and you get back, you know, Ethan Hawke is back in the United States and she's back in Paris. You can sit there and be like, "Yeah, I'm never going to call this person," or "I'm going to send her a postcard, let her know I got home okay, and this is you know, 
you can decide then. You don't have yeah. to decide, you know, five minutes before yeah. or even six hours. You just exchange information and be like, hey, you know what? If one, maybe, maybe, you know, at the end of this, nothing happens, but then a week after, you know, we get home, we realize how much we liked each other. And at least then we have the information to contact each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so easy to just airdrop your contact information. It just, it's just too easy, you know? Well, we are, we, I know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think on 1995 I know. terms. <laughs> I know. Get out your little, like, address book and. I mean, I know, I know I was like 14 in 1995 but, or 15, but at that, you know, if I was the person I am now or at their age, if I, cause they were probably in their twenties, right? I think they were 20, You know, if I'm in my twenties, yeah. yes. And I understood how technology and addresses worked. I think, I think I would have done that fairly early. Like, you know, I'm yeah. into you. You know, if I get hit by a bus in the next 10 minutes, at least have my, I want your address or in your phone number in my pocket when I get hit by the bus. So when I wake up, I can call you. And if, when I have amnesia, you can tell me everything about me that I told you. I mean, wouldn't that be your plan? Because you, yeah. amnesia is like your nightmare. <laughs> so in that documentary I was watching, you know, an inspiration for this whole story was um, Richard Linklater. He, he had a train ride from Philadelphia to Austin um, after like, going to a movie festival in New York. And he stopped at, like, a toy store or something somewhere along the way and had this kind of long day with a woman that worked at the toy store. And I guess after the movie came out, he got a letter from someone saying, you know, this woman I knew told me about this night she had with this person, and she worked here, and it was this, and it was this. And it turned out that she had died. Like... It was the right person, but this this friend of hers was letting him know that she had heard all about it, but that she had like died in a motorcycle accident or something. But you know that this ended See? up being this inspiration for this whole thing is just pretty cool. But see, it you know, so this is not going to be on a rewatch schedule for you. No, no. In fact, this Sherry conversation does, about it. Does Sherry like it? Oh, she likes these. She She's seen okay. all three. And she. I remember because the last movie of the trilogy had come out, and I believe she saw it. In the, she went and saw it in the theater. Mm. Did she go with you? No. Did you guys see it in the theater? No. Together? No. No. I thought she saw it in the theater because um, she was interested in it. And I was just like, I've never seen the other two. Why am I going to go see this? Yeah, but she had seen the them. Others. So. No, but she likes she likes them. Okay. So she and I can talk about them. There'll more. be no problem rewatch. And well, there'll be no problem for her to rewatch them and for me to watch them. I mean, like I said, I am interested to see how this all plays out. But um but yeah, it's it won't be on. I mean, my our conversation about this movie inspired me more than that movie. So. It's all right. It's, it's, it's all right. Like and, and you know, I love Ethan Hawke. So I mean, I like watching him Walk around, chit chatting, yes. being romantic, like that's that all works for me. So that's my an added yeah. bonus for me. So, yeah. anyways, <laughs> well, well, I appreciate you fun. appreciate you taking the time to watch it, Matt. 
if anyone has made it to the end of this show, just want to let you all know that hopefully by the next time we record, we'll be back to doing this live, <sighs> not over... Like in person. Like in person. Woo! <laughs> you know, you know, go and get your vaccine because yeah. then you get to see people and hug them yep. and, you know, share lives together a little bit more. Because, damn, this shit's been crazy for a freaking year plus. Yep, good old 14-something months of it. But, you know, Matt, we've made it work. We've recorded so many episodes virtually, and we were able to push ourselves outside of our comfort zones and learn how to do this. And, you know, if ever, you know, we ever need to do it again, we know how to. It's not like we're going to get rid of our equipment or anything. It's just, but in-person is definitely a different vibe, and I am looking forward to being able to get back in person. Have the have the studio be at your house for a while, mm-hmm. and and being able to pet Molder while we're recording. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you very much for listening. My name is Matthew. My name is Nancy. This has been fighting over the VCR. Thank you very much. Thank you.